Welcome to another episode of That's Some Crazy Shit with Kelly and James. My name is Kelly and my co-host is my good buddy and friend, Mr. James. What's up, dude? What's going on? What? Did, I just hear, did I just hear an evil cackle? <laughs> Not a cackle. <laughs> Sinister laugh, maybe chuckle, not a cackle. Sinister laugh. (laughs) That's funny. So, how are you doing? Good. Trying to stay out of all the smoke and heat. Because it's hot. It's hot and it's bad air outside. Hey, but there's no uh, such thing as global climate change, so don't worry about it. Mm -mm. And all the conspiracy theories that say the reptilians are turning the earth into their own planet are all false. They're coming true now. That's funny. That's a good conspiracy theory. Because it would be seeming to come in true. Mm. true. Okay, man. All the GOPs wrote back all those legislations they had for clean water, clean air. What's up with that? We don't want you to have clean water and clean air. Yeah, we're changing the climate for our reptilian overlords. And we're not saying that it's true. We're just saying that. <laughs> wink, wink. So, James, today we have a guest. We have nobody from the paranormal, right? Yeah, nobody that's psychic or anything like that. But this guy, I think, is hilarious. His name is Wayne McFarlane, and he's an author. And he wrote a memoir, right? And it's called Tales from the Day, Life-Shaping Events That the Truth Be Told All Happened Under the Heading of Oops. That's a mouthful. It is a mouthful. And so in this book, he has got 19 just crazy stories that just happened to him by chance you know in each story he never that's not what he was planning to do it's like it just kind of these things just kind of happened by chance and so he's got some funny stories he's got some just crazy stories and I thought he would make the perfect guest kind of give us a break from the woo-woo not that we don't we love the woo-woo but you know this guy's led an interesting life and I just thought He's a great storyteller, and I love a great story. He is, and it's funny because all this stuff falls under crazy shit. Well, oops. Yeah, well, well, yeah. (laughs) You know, so um, I can't wait to bring him on. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Well, welcome to the podcast, uh, our new best friend, Wayne McFarlane. Wayne, thank you so much for being a part of that some crazy shit with Kelly and James. Welcome. <laughs> Yo, how thank you, Kelly and James. I have been looking forward to it very much. I have also. We are excited to have you here and talk about your book, uh, Tells from the Day. I think you said it's something like Tells from the Day from the Meaning of Oops. Tell me the, <laughs> tell me the title of that again. Well, it's Tales from the Day, um, and it's it's various things that happened under the heading of Oops. Yes, under the heading of Oops. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Well, so, Wayne, um, 
welcome to the show. And thank, thank you, James. And I'm excited because uh, Kelly's been telling me about what a wonderful storyteller you are. Well, thank you. So that being said, uh, they're all I want to... true. They're all true, James. And I'm excited because that's going to be this is going to be some crazy <laughs> shit. I can tell. <laughs> So I think we need to start out with this monkey story I've been hearing so much about. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, the, the the book itself is a series of vignettes, which I put together after reading a bunch of memoirs, which really sucked. You know, most people, uh, uh, as I was telling Kelly, that most people, uh, you know, they look back at things and the book becomes some atrocious thing of I gazed at the mountains and said there lies my destiny it's, it's, all, it's all crap you know and, and so I thought that's not the way life really happens the way life really happens is you blow town with a monkey or you lose 10 grand at the Hollywood sign or you pitch a loan shark for advertising contracts that's what happens in, uh, in life and people like James end up running podcasts with a partner you know i mean that's how it happens right so uh, blowing town with the monkey is uh in tales from the day which is available on amazon i god i love it when i do that you know uh anyway the, uh, you gotta get the plug-in <laughs> yeah you gotta get the plug-in i'm shameless but we have to, we have to share your that. story okay well what happened was before i was married i had a a roommate like we all do a guy and i came home one day and there was a cage in the living room there was nothing in it it was empty and i thought that was kind of unusual but my roommate was out at a party or something and it wasn't until the next day when a monkey showed up in the cage that i thought we should have a, a, a chat and my roommate wove this spectacular tale implying that the monkey was somehow rescued from a college uh, and it was only later it occurred to me that the college was liberal arts, and I doubted that philosophy professors were vivisecting monkeys. But, uh, you know, and the monkey, the, the, the problem was I hated the monkey, and the monkey hated me. Now, I hated the monkey because it would crawl into my bed to sleep and it had a bladder problem. <laughs> the, the monkey hated me, I am convinced because I used to interrupt its benders. The we would have friends over and a monkey would grab their stubby little bottles of beer, wrap its, its hands and its feet and its tail around the, the bottle of beer and lay on its back and chug it. Now, James, it'd be like you or I drinking like three gallons of beer, right? <laughs> and and the monkey got really grumpy. I mean, it, had, it was bad enough sober. So I started cutting the monkey off after two beers, and and I am convinced that's why the monkey hated me so badly. So uh, so one day we decided we were going to leave town. This is a little town in Minnesota, and and go to California. So we decided to go to California by way of Boston, which made you know perfect sense. <laughs> I had a ex girlfriend. Yeah, had an ex girlfriend out there. So off we went, and. Um, things the uh, ladies that we were hanging around with in a in a fit of insanity said oh look at that sweet little thing we'll take care of the monkey well that lasted about 15 minutes until the landlord <laughs> dropped by 
to see if they were torturing some little child in there. I mean, <laughs> monkeys are very loud. So, so we got the monkey back, and our landlord, after about five minutes, came over to us and, and said, "That stops, or you stop, right now." And so, my my roommate, who nominally was the uh, was the owner of the monkey ask if he could borrow my van yeah we were doing the van across country thing and he left with the monkey and came back without the monkey and I, now as i've said i hated the monkey so on the one hand I, I was joyous but i said okay i'll bite what happened to that little beer swilling sob <laughs> and and my roommate placed his hand on his heart and he said cheetah can you believe james he called this monkey cheetah I mean, it's like some black and white old Tarzan movie, right? And he said, like naming a dog Spot. Yeah. And he, and he, and he said, Cheetah's in a better place. And I thought, oh, oh, no. God, I hated that monkey. I didn't want to see it murdered. You know? <laughs> and my roommate said, no, 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 no. I didn't kill it. He said, I donated to a ch children's show uh, on a Boston TV channel. And they were delighted to have the monkey. You know, it was a kid's show and so forth. So we had a little business going in Boston and we went completely broke. So I headed off to uh, um, California, which was the original plan. And my roommate went off someplace else. And sometime later, I got a letter from my, uh, my ex-girlfriend in Boston. And she informed me that this monkey had become famous they had named the TV program after the monkey. And a monkey, you know, the show was packed with screaming kids and endorsements. And and in her note to me, she said, well, at least one of you made it here in Boston. <laughs> James, I thought that was kind of harsh. I mean, I really did. But but uh, the monkey is, uh, I don't know what, you know, monkeys live a long time. For all I know, it's still there emceeing this show in Boston, but. Oh my uh, God. So, yeah, so the, the bottom line is we went broke and the monkey became a TV star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, a monkey with a drinking problem hits it big. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so if it happened for Cheetah the monkey, it can happen for any one of us. <laughs> there's, there's hope. <laughs> yeah, there's hope. Oh no. Faint, it's faint. The whole hope is faint, <laughs> but it is there. You know? And I wish we had video so everyone could see how hard Kelly is trying not to laugh. <laughs> it is hilarious. Oh, my God. So, you know, Wayne, I got to tell you, with all of these stories, and I think the book has like 27 chapters, right? So yeah. how did you choose? I'm pretty sure it sounds like there were more than 27 events that happened in your life that would fall under the definition of oops. But how did you manage to pick each 27 <laughs> story? Uh, well, uh, I, 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 that's a really good question. No one's asked me that before. I, I sat down and I made a, li a list of everything I could think of that had happened under the oops heading. And these were sort of at the top of the list. That's the best way I could do it. I thought, you know, uh, writing a story about the day Johnny Cash hit on my wife was probably going to be interesting to people. You know, I, I hope I was right. So, um, uh, so yeah, that's how I did it. I basically listed them and, and uh, there were a couple my wife uh, dinged. 
said, you will not write about that. And I'm not going to talk about them here either. (laughs) So So in looking at all the chapters, there's a couple of times where it seems like people are always trying to kill you. Yeah, it's it's just the damnedest thing. I I don't quite know what what that was all about. Uh, You know, somebody in a in a in a bar bar in trinidad you know pulling a knife I, that, that's a little more understandable but um the uh, you know there's a lot of talk now about uh about all kinds of nonsense you know canceling the the, the 1619 project and all of this foolishness and you know that was a lot of years ago and uh, some friends of mine and i decided we'd go to new orleans to party and that was during the Freedom Rider era. I mean, that goes back a ways, right? And we were about, later I became very political, but at the time I was about as political as a brick, you know? And we were driving down there non- nonstop uh, with, you know, six cases of beer. And two, three in the morning, uh, the Klan pulled us over in Arkansas and shot us up. Shot me, shot my friend. Yeah. And they thought we were freedom riders and then threw us in jail and spent a week telling us they were going to kill us. And so the big takeaway I got when I listened to people talking about, you know, institutional racism and threads that run through society is one thing I learned there is that in those little towns, and we had the opportunity, if you can call out that, to be guests of two of them. Uh, it's not only accepted, but lauded when people do terrible things based on nothing more than they just don't like the way you look. Ch- changed my life. At least it didn't kill me. But um, uh, and the we 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 got out of it through the help of what happened. Really, is we were in jail and they were talking about how they were gonna they were gonna kill us, honestly, and. A new jailer came on duty, and uh, I, of course, lied to him and said, hey, the sheriff, who, by the way, was the brother of pretty boy Floyd, the bank robber, that was the sheriff. The sheriff sheriff said I could make a phone call, and the guy goes, really? And I said, yeah, and so he took me down, and I called, you know, my family, collect, of course, and they hadn't heard from us in a week, and so they were frantic, and, and, and I said, hey, you got a pencil? Yeah, and I gave him the name of the jail, phone number, name of the sheriff, and all in the town, and all this kind of stuff. And then very fast, I said, "Listen, we're, we've been shot. We're in big trouble." And a jailer slammed the phone down and frog marched me back to the cell. Now, James, I would hope not, but I don't know if you've ever been frog marched, but that's when they put their hand on your collar and, the, and their hand on the back of your pants and give you a world-class wedgie and then tiptoe you down. Oh, the hall. Yeah. Wow. And the the punchline for this is there's a name for that. Yeah, there's a frog, frog marching. Yeah, yeah, I guess I know. I didn't know. Now, now, now you know. And 20 minutes after that, the sheriff came in and looked at us. Now, mind you, we'd been in jail for a week and we'd been all shot up, right? And he looked at us and said, "These boys have been hurt. Take them to the hospital." <laughs> you know, I thought, well, a little after the fact. And suddenly their phone at this little jail started ringing off the hook. Uh, newspapers were calling and, and all kinds of people were calling. And the last call they got 
was from the governor of Minnesota. He called and said, we know you've got some people down there and they better not be hurt. And later I found out what happened, which is uh, affected me to this very day. They, my, my relatives, my folks, called a variety of people, old newspapers and stuff. But one of the people they called was the president of our college where I had attended. And um, without knowing us, Kelly and James, without knowing, the police were saying we had a gun battle with police, you know how that goes, right? And Aaron and all this stuff. And without knowing, he called his friend, the governor of Minnesota, and expended all that political capital, because if we'd really done something, he would have he would have taken a lot of blowback, but he did it without hesitation. The governor called, and I think it saved our life. So later, I talked to the president of the college, and I, I, I was just a kid, but I couldn't get over it. I said, "Look, why did you do that?" I said, "I, I you know, I was just young, but I said I think I know the risk you took." And you know, Kelly, to my great shame, to this very day. I thought what he'd say something like, well, you had dated my daughter a couple times. You were a fine young man, blah, blah. But he didn't. He walked to the window and I remember it was raining and he stared out the window and he told me the story about the Nazis killing his mother, who was the senior contralto at the Frankfurt Opera and of how he and his brother, they were the only members of his family who lived by crawling under the wire into France and then getting across to England. And he turned around, he said, I swore to myself then that I would never stand by, never. Wow. And that's how, wow, Wayne, that's yeah. an incredible story. That's how we got out of there alive. I'm convinced of it. Absolutely incredible. So I want to hear about we always get, because our show is called That's Some Crazy Shit, we always tend to attract crazy <laughs> Cra shit. Crazy shit, right? yeah, exactly. You know, go figure. <laughs> yeah. But I want to find out the day the Lord worked in a mysterious way. And if, because it seems like the Lord's been that was a Yeah, that was a case right there. Almost every story you've got. So I'm interested in this particular story. <laughs> Well, the, the, my wife and I ran a business, and I, <laughs> I'm originally from the Midwest, South Dakota. And so we opened a tech support branch for our business there because it's a relatively a poor community, and we wanted to take some tech jobs there with a software company. And um, so the Gloria and I had had my wife, and I had a couple of experiences with real estate and getting involved in big homes and buildings and stuff. So we swore that we would never get involved with some kind of a huge house again. I mean, we're just the, the, the two of us. And we'd sworn, done the pinky thing, you know, the pinky agreement pinky thing. Square. Yeah, yeah, we've done all that, we're not gonna do it. So we're in South Dakota and uh, we, <laughs> at the time we were just sort of building things up and so we uh, put the down payment for a lake lot on our credit cards so we had a lot a lot on this nice lake and we we're thinking about building a little cabin now i gotta tell you guys well we, what i was talking about was flannel shirts and a chainsaw bear at the door and a crackling fireplace and you know the whole the whole thing eating raw liver i mean you know th th that kind of image and 
we were driving around one day and my wife said, you know, there's some beautiful old homes here in South Dakota. We could probably just move one onto our lake lot, which is a big thing there. Farmers sell their land and they move their house into town. I mean, they literally, there's no real power lines and they can just drive across fields and stuff. So we put the word out and one day, uh, Gloria was back in California, which is probably a pretty good thing. Uh, a guy out there called me and said, I hear you're looking for a house. And I said, well, we're, yeah, we're kind of looking around. What do you got? And he said, well, there's a 103-year-old Victorian 5,000-square-foot house that we had moved, his family had moved 60 years ago. And he said, uh, they've sold the land, and they either want to move the house or they're going to destroy it. So I went to look at this thing, and Kelly and James, it was beautiful. I was hoping it was a wreck. But no, it was beautiful and hardwood this and that and floors. And I sat down on the stairs and I thought, oh, God, you know, how am I going to tell Gloria about this one? So she did a tour of the house and I, I am getting to the Lord partner. But she did a tour of the house and I started to say, isn't this place beautiful? And she just go, don't say a word. And she went through the whole house. And at the end, she looked at me and she said, we're not going to let this beautiful lady die. So that, that's, that's how we got going. Now this place had a basement under it that I tell you guys must have been kind of 2,000 square feet or something and had a huge antique back bar. That bad boy was like 20 feet long or something and oh, wow. a bar, oh yeah. And so we moved the house off the foundation and mind you, we'd never done this before, but we had a company to do it. And then we looked at this bar and it must have weighed you know six tons and i thought how am i gonna get that out of there you know they're talking about cranes and all kinds of stuff and then i was told that originally it was moved in there by cranes and a pack of mules 60 years ago and gloria looks at me and goes mules really? <laughs> we're not using mules <laughs> we're not using mules she said no no that's no on the mules so i said listen this is no problem i'm a manly man trust your man I will call VFW clubs and I'll call various people and donate the bar and we'll get a tax write-off and they can move it. Well, the thing was so darn big, nobody wanted it. I mean, and so here we are with the ground open, the city's screaming at us to get things out of there. They're telling us we, we can't leave anything in the hole in the ground because it was in violation of the law. You had to fill it in with dirt. So then a person, I'd met actually the mayor of a town in South Dakota said call this guy at the Salvation Army I said the Salvation Army they they were founded on temperance and they're <laughs> gonna <laughs> want this bar and he said just call him. so I called this guy and he was a colonel or a general or something in the Salvation Army you know he had the uniform and the hat and, and he heard me on he said sure we'll take it and I said you will so we you'll have to move it he said thanks for telling me but there's no problem i gave him the dimension of the bar he said no problem so here comes the morning of the move right salvation army big semi rolls up with the the general and a couple of troops in full regalia and following were two buses two blue buses with county jail pasted on pasted on their side and they were full of inmates from the county jail so all these inmates hopped out and now I got 60 inmates, you know, milling around 
And they went down there and they moved that bar and put it in a Salvation Army truck and got back in their county jail buses and off they went before the police got there, who did show up, by the way. <laughs> so, you know, they're probably wondering why there were 60 convicts milling around on our lot, you know. And, and I'm looking at Gloria and she's looking at me and I went over to the, to the general, the Salvation Army guy, and I said, listen, I got a question. He said, yeah. And I said, well, the Salvation Army was founded on temperance. And now you're taking this bar. I mean, is that, doesn't that kind of conflict with, you know, your founding and your rules? And I swear to you, he looked up at the sky and started to snow a little bit. You know, he looked up at the sky, looked down at me, put his hand on his heart and said, the Lord works in mysterious ways. And he got back in his semi with the bar and off they went and I never saw him again. That was it. <laughs> oh. That is hilarious. Uh, no, that was it. And I, I just, the county jail and the Salvation Army and a bar. And who would have thought, huh? Right. Yeah, who and, thought? And, yeah, Kelly, I'm with you. You know, there's a there's a great line in, in the Harry Potter movies where the headmaster looks at the three, you know, Harry Potter his two buddies and said, why is it that every time there's trouble, you people are in the middle of it? That's how Gloria and I felt. We thought, well, you know, we, this was supposed to be pretty straightforward and now we, we had this happen, you know? So, <laughs> That's so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how to explain it. Oh, oh I, I do want to hear one more because I think they're hilarious. But the one that I was interested in and, and actually you've got a couple of them so the day that you were saved by mickey mouse yeah okay that 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 kind of got my attention and then the the hot the day of the hot date and we fell out of the sky well uh <laughs> Mickey Mouse one's a little longer. I know you have time constraint. The, the the hot date thing is just another lesson you learn as you go through life about, you know, feeling maybe a little too arrogant. So this again was before I was married and and I was in the Air National Guard in Fargo, North Dakota, supporting the donut shops, you know, by pretty much what I did there. And and I had a hot date in Minneapolis, which is about if you're driving by car, it's like six hours from Fargo, North Dakota. That's the same Fargo that the movie was about. Mm -hmm. You know, the wood chipper and the yeah. egg and all that. that. That place, right? And so it was on New Year's Day. And then on New Year's Eve, that was the day of the party. New Year's Eve, we had a hell of a blizzard. And blizzards in North Dakota are whoppers. I mean, they really are. So the next day dawned bright and clear. All the roads were closed. Everything was shut down. So since I was in the air guard, I went out to the airport, but that was all closed because the runways were all covered. And so I went up to the tower and this is when people were actually hitching rides on small airplanes. Now, you know, you're afraid you're getting an ax murderer, but at the time <laughs> it, was, it was kind of in vogue. And I went up to the tower and here was a father and his son shouting at each other because they had to fly to Minneapolis, ha <laughs> uh, ha. But they couldn't get out because the runways were blocked. So I said, hey, if I can clear a runway for you, can I ride along to Minneapolis? He looked at me and said, well, sure. So I called my 
sergeant buddy who was head of all the equipment at the airport. And I said, you know what you need? And he said, what? And I said, you need two cases of beer and I need runway five cleared. I said, done. So next thing, here comes this big military snowplow and it clears the runway. And these two guys are looking at me and they said, let's go. He went out and he fired up the plane. He said, get in and we're going. So here we're flying toward Minneapolis and I'm saying to myself, man, I am so slick. You know, I really thought and then suddenly I noticed the, the, the pilot, the back of his neck was getting red. And suddenly he started cursing and yelling and beating on the dashboard. And I noticed the propeller was straight up and down. I was whirling well, <laughs> around, right? So we, we had no engine. We lost our engine. And we were above the potato fields in North Dakota. And they look smooth, but really they're furrows, you know, they, and they were all covered with snow. And we're going in and the pilot's screaming and yelling and his kid is yelling and he's on the, on the pipe shouting Mayday. And I'm thinking, oh man, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna auger in in some potato field in North Dakota. <laughs> All I want to do is go to a party, right? <laughs> so, um, so we were, we were, I swear to you, guys, we were going, man, I mean, no question about it. We were going in. and we couldn't have been more than five or 10 feet off the ground because the guy kept trying the engine, the engine caught. And, <laughs> and yeah. And so, you know, uh, we turned around, we're heading back to the airport and the engine was sputtering and banging the whole time. We, we got there and, and he landed and they got in their car and kind of weaved out the, the airport and they pulled the, the plane into a hangar. And I knew one of the people there and he was looking at the airplane and had the cowling open and was muttering, uh, cursing at the two pilots. He said, those stupid SOBs, they should be dead. And I said, well, I'm glad they're not. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I, mean, I was with them. Huh? I was with them, yeah. And he said, well, what they did is there was a blizzard and it packed the engine cowling full of snow. And they didn't pre-flight the airplane, which is one of the big rules. Yeah, so we took off engines full of snow, the snow melts, and went down into the distributor cap and stuff. And apparently the engine was just hot enough that it, it boiled off the water before we, we hit the deck. And um, so, so the, the upshot was that uh, it was a beautiful day, but the room was still packed. And, and I went up to the, uh, the tower again, and it was full of, of small craft pilots all muttering about the, the idiot that had not pre-flighted his plane. And um, I listened to all this, and the runway run, run, was still open. I said, well, I was a passenger on the plane, which made me a celebrity. And and <laughs> and I got a ride to Minneapolis, and I made it just as the party started. And the young lady I went to see came up to me and said, I didn't think you'd be able to make it. But with the blizzard and stuff, do you have any problem getting here? And I said, not a bit. Not a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Piece of cake. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. I no love problem. it. Oh Just my gosh. <laughs> slid right in here, you know? Yeah. So yeah, funny. Yeah. That goes under that's some crazy shit. Yeah, yeah, really, you know? Gosh. So don't, don't, you know, my conclusion is don't tempt the gods, you know? Well, I can, I can clear the runway, you know? No problem. 
And uh, the gods of aviation look down and say, okay, pal. <laughs> Ego check. We'll, wow. We'll, that's yeah, we'll, we'll show you. So, yeah. Wayne, thank you so much for coming on thank our you, podcast Kelly. and sharing your stories. They are hilarious. They uh, are, it's just crazy. You've had enjoyable. Tell us the name of the book again. Oh, bless you. Tales from the Day. And it can be on Amazon. And if anybody wants to correspond or anything, uh, WayneMcFarland.com is a website. Uh, the bonus of going to the website is you can see my picture. It's great. And um, on Amazon, you just look it up under books, and there, there I am. So I always love talking to you guys. And I say, go wrong, but you know, thank you. I enjoyed it very much. You thank are you. very Please. welcome. We definitely enjoyed. <laughs> I think it would make a perfect summer read. Uh, you know, because it's got some yeah. hilarious stories. Wayne, again, thank you so much for being with us. I had You're a fantastic time. I did thank too, you, Wayne. Thank you very much. See you guys. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you, Kelly. And Wayne has some good stories, man. I told you so. Can you imagine getting, I don't know, having watching a monkey with a drinking problem become more famous than you? Or going to jail during the civil rights times. Ah, that was crazy shit. And not knowing, because they think you're a freedom writer. Wow, he's lucky he's alive. Yeah, he really, he is. really is. And that would be an excellent movie if there's any Hollywood producers listening. Yeah, by chance. Yeah, for just <laughs> listening to our podcast. Hook up with Wayne, because that would be a crazy movie. Yeah, that he just he had some crazy stories that just I thought were just crazy shit and I just he's a great storyteller he is I could sit and I could hang out with Wayne and just listen to him sit on the deck yeah drink have a couple drinks yeah have a beer listen to him tell us stories from back in the day yeah it's a great read it's a great summer read if you're looking for something to read I think it'd be a great summer read and it's funny because you know he, he wrote his memoirs and you know, I keep saying we should do when we retire, we should do ours as paid content. You you scoffed at my podcast idea. You scoffed at YouTube. People will pay to hear our crazy stories, Cal. You know, I guess I just don't consider them to be crazy stories. Well, because we lived them. Maybe. But when I say them out loud, sometimes they'll be like, yeah, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. At any rate, we have another episode next week. Another guest next week. We're on a roll with the guest. We are. And we have been for a long time. I love having the guest, though. I think it's, I like having, like, Wayne was great. That's, I mean, listen to that all day. Yeah, he's funny. You know what's pretty cool, too, about our guest, our woo-woo guest? Even our woo-woo is a little off the beaten track. Yeah, we right? We don't give you mainstream woo-woo. I mean, we do. But we always give there's a, a little different woo to us. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. If you want to listen to past episodes, check out our social media, read James's blog. You can do all of those things by going to our website, which is that's some crazy shit podcast.com. It's all there, people. 
It's all there. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitter, and YouTube. There are four of them. And so, um, and then of course you can listen to the podcast on several different platforms. James, that is really all that we have. I think next week we should plan on doing some random bullshit. Um, but until then. No random bullshit for this time? Have anything? Do you have anything that's random? Uh, that's random. No, not too random. Nothing I can think of that strikes it. Oh, I have a random thought. All right. So, um, do you remember when we were kids and we studied dinosaurs? Yes. All right. So, dinosaurs were all pretty much the same color, gray, you know, scales, okay, whatever. I just picked up a National Geographic about dinosaurs because I am a nerd. Now, they've gone from thinking they were all gray, you know, slow moving to being more bird-like with foliage and color. So I guess my random thought is how much science we've learned in, let's say, the last 50 years. Okay, Hmm. now apply that to oh, aeronautics or the automotive industry or agriculture, where do you think we will be in 50 years in media? In media? Or just take a side, but where, where do you think we'll be in 50 years in cars, you know? Well, We're already hitting electric cars now. Right, and you also have self-driving cars as well. You've also right. got flying cars as well. You've got cars that can go on water. So you've got cars that can do this. When will it become mainstream? Maybe by then, those things will be mainstream. It's kind of like the cell phone. They had the cell phone back in the day. Like in oh, the I had 50s. one that was in a bag. Right, but they had the one, and that was the 90s. But I'm talking, they had cell phones in the 80s and the 70s. The cell phone's been around. It's just huge. Like, yeah. the, co- like the computer. Right? The computer's been around for a long time. They're just huge. Now they've been able to make those smaller. Right. And now it's mainstream. Everybody has a computer. But there was a time where nobody could ever afford to get a computer. And maybe that's what the flying car or the self-driving car will be like in 50 years where it is just mainstream. They can't even imagine getting behind the wheel and even pushing to start the ignition. It's like, what? You know, I would like to be able to jump in a vehicle and say, hey, man, let's do a taco time run. And who's to say that in 50 years, that's not what people will be doing. I would hope that taco time isn't around in 50 years. But um, if it is, yeah, sure. Why not? Taco time will always be around. Oh, God, let's hope not. (laughs) Let's hope not. Taco Bell. That's a uh, different story. uh, me either one but yeah that's what i think i think that will be mainstream remember when we were kids and i remember saying yeah one day that'd be cool if we could see one another when we talk on the phone well guess what we can see one another now i can see you right now yeah and we can take this with us and this device even though we call it a phone people don't use it as a phone it's everything else but a phone Matter of fact, I picked up my sister's iPhone and I couldn't even find the phone part of the phone, like the phone app, like where is the phone? 
right? Well, it's a PC, you know, in your hand. <laughs> so that's what I think. I think the stuff that we're thinking is, ooh, these self-driving cars are all, oh, you know, that will be mainstream. I think you'll see things like more virtual reality become more mainstream. I think one day you'll be able to actually project your hologram someplace so you won't have to travel. You can probably do that now. So maybe that's how oh, you they can... have... Do you remember Ronnie James Dio? Mm-hmm. From back in the day? He has a... They were doing a concert tour with his hologram. Yeah, but I'm saying that that's how you'll be able to do your doctor's visit. You'll be able to do it virtually. And they'll be able to get all the same sign, all the same things they could get if you were sitting in front of them, but they'll be able to do it without you sitting in front of them because the AI will allow it. That's what I'm saying. Okay, but my now my question is, are you still gonna have to wait 45 minutes? No. No. See, now you now that's you're getting out there with that crazy thing. No. No, because you're not going to be actually seen by a person anymore. It don't matter. They could, the AI could be running late. <laughs> AIs do not run late, James. You know. But I'm just saying, that's what I think. I think it will just be what what we think is cutting edge now will be mainstream. Just like what they thought was cutting edge then, we now is mainstream for us. Right? Back in the day, in the 50s, when the TV came out, it was unheard of that you would have more than one television. What? Now, everybody had, and then your TVs, you know, 13 inches was big. Now you're looking at 65 plus as a normal size for a television. If it's not that big, it's just a lap, it's a monitor. Yeah, I just use that for my gaming. (laughs) Yeah, so I think it's cool when you think about it. That's a good question. That's a good random bullshit, James. Thank you. You're welcome. Anything else? Oh, that was about it. I'm randomed out for this episode. Cool. Well, next week we will have another guest. We will be back. Remember, check out our social media. Uh, take a look at James's blog. Send him a note. If you want to be on the podcast or know somebody that you think would be a great guest on the podcast, you can actually re- out, reach out to us on the website or you can email either one of us. James is james at thatsomecrazyshitpodcast.com and Kelly, Kelly at thatsomecrazyshitpodcast.com and we'd love to tell your story. Do it. Drop us a line, people. Yeah, as always. Until next time, keep your minds open. <laughs>